0: We had four messages to the churches in chapter two. We have the final three in chapter three. Hear now the reading of God's inspired word. Revelation three, starting at verse one. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, these things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, Let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold, tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Thus far the reading of God's inspired word from Revelation chapter 3. The final three messages. First, verses 1 through 6 the Sardian angel, the angel of the church of Sardius. Notice there again, Jesus names himself. These things saith, and then what is his name? Jesus, Christ, Lord? No, he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Now, if you'll recall, this is back from chapter one. The seven spirits is the spirit of God himself in the fullness of his operation among the church specifically among the seven churches. All the operations that they can expect of the Spirit come through this Spirit or the seven Spirits. Remember, the number seven is symbolic, three is the number of God, holy, 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 And four is the number of creation, the four winds of creation. And God who created all things, created in six days and rested on the seventh, giving us the fullness of his work of creation in seven days. Thus we have here the seven spirits, the fullness of the spirit of God, his work among the saints. Jesus says that his name is he that hath the seven spirits of God. And his other name, he that hath what? The seven stars. The Spirit of God and his operations and the ministers of God who shine forth the light in the means of grace. The Lord Jesus then owns and possesses both the Spirit of God proceeding from him and his ministerial angels, his messengers, the ministers of the gospel. We speak of the signs of grace and the thing signified. The ministers administer the signs. They speak the word. But who gives life to the word? The Spirit of God does, not the ministers. They can plant. They can water. But who gives life? The Spirit of God according to his will. Christ owns both the external sign and the thing signified, the word preached and the word written upon the heart, the external washing, the internal washing, he owns it all. And Jesus says in light of this, I know thy works, that thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. Faith without works is what? Dead. You say, You have a name that thou livest. You say, you're alive in me. This is a minister or ministers he's talking to in Sardius. You profess to be alive in Christ, but you're dead, he says. Let us live before the eye of the Savior. He owns his means of grace. He owns the spirit that makes them effectual. Let us live in his fear. Let us mind him in our faith and in our profession, but especially in our works. I know thy works. You say you're alive, but you're dead. Faith without works. Be watchful, he says. Be careful. Look out. Don't fall asleep here. This is very important. Be watchful. Gregorete. That's where we get the name Gregory from. One who is watchful or vigilant. Strengthen the things which remain. They are ready to die the ministry here is to be watchful to give diligence to stabilize the people of god on a solid foundation what happens if there's no stable foundation things die things go aside i have not found thy works perfect before god he says literally i have not found your things filled up here's your cup You got a little bit in there, not much. You have not filled up. Remember what Timothy was told make full proof of thy ministry. 2 Timothy 4 5. They didn't do this, they weren't doing their full job. How thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. You were taught by the apostles themselves. What did you hear? What did you receive from them, and what are you doing with it? They were lazy. Maybe they were innovative. Ah, eh, that's tough. Paul's way is too hard. John was too precise. Peter, not sure. We need to come up with our own way. This wasn't good, what we've received from them and heard from them. No, he says, you hold fast what you received, What you heard the apostles preach to you, what we have in written form, hold fast, he says. Repent of your laziness, of your innovation, or else, he says, I will come on thee as a thief. You won't know when I'm coming. I'm not going to announce you. I'm not going to write you a letter, call you on the phone. Hey, I'm coming to rob your house. Yeah, three in the morning, Tuesday, I'm coming. Okay, see you later. No. Thieves do that? No warning whatsoever. I'm showing up and I'm taking your goods as a thief. Christ will judge his ministers. They have a duty to fulfill their office, to hold fast what they have received and heard, not to make things up, not to fall behind, not to let things die out, but to be watchful to strengthen the things which remain, to fill up and make full proof of their ministry. But notice, even with an unfaithful ministry, verse 4, Jesus has a few names in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white. In the ancient world, that was often a sign of royal or princely dignity. A wealthy man, remember Jesus' robes down to his feet, He had the golden girdle going about as a king ruling among his people. So he says, these faithful ones, though their ministers are unfaithful, they will walk in white with me. There will be a remnant even under a wicked ministry. And then he says in verse 5, he that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, and I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Here note, God has a book of life. Jesus has chosen a people. They are elect. He causes them to overcome. They persevere, which leads to them being glorified in heaven forevermore. You notice that's the golden chain, isn't it? From eternity past, the book of life, to eternity future, and the glories of Christ's kingdom. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Remember, these letters are for all of God's people as applicable, for every church as it applies to them. Do you have ears to hear? Then hear what Jesus is saying by his Holy Spirit to these churches. These truths, these duties, these promises, these threats, they are universal and perpetual. Then verses 7 through 13, we have the message sent to the Philadelphian angel. These things saith he that is holy. Now in your English Bibles, you'll recall in the book of Isaiah, the holy one of Israel, for example, or just the holy one. That's what this is ha Hagias, the holy one who is that jehovah himself jesus christ is the holy one of israel he is the eternal god and he's incomparable with all the false gods furthermore not only is he fully god what else does he have look there in verse 7 he has a key he has the key to the house of David. Remember, begotten of God before all worlds, the Son of God declared to be so by the resurrection, but also of the seed of David according to the flesh. That's the gospel. God in the flesh making atonement for our sins. He hath the key of David, and he's the Holy One of Israel, fully God, fully man. He is Ha'on, Jehovah, the existing one, and he's also the one that died and rose again, fully man. And he says to the ministry at Philadelphia, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut. Remember, he has the key of David. He can open the door. This is specifically Christ's work here among the ministers in the church to open these doors for them and the authority they have to let the saints in or to exclude the wicked, that is Christ's authority. He has the keys and he says, administer them as faithful stewards. They kept his word, he says. They did not deny his name. Remember, word, is logos my doctrine my teaching my truth my word you kept it but what else did they keep it's a parallelism they did not deny his name his name and his word are the same thing in this context some people say I want a personal relationship with Jesus but I don't like the words those aren't important what he says in the Bible I'll discount that, but what I want is my personal religion. That's nonsense. Jesus says, if you keep his doctrine, his word, then you have his name, his person, because you can't have one without the other. Do we have a relationship with Jesus? Yes, it's one subject to a religion, a set of doctrines and a set of duties. There is no relationship with God without his true religion other than the relationship of rebels outside of his kingdom under his wrath. Religion versus relationships. Nonsense. God doesn't divide those things. You must receive his word to receive his person. Now he says these false Jews who profess to be the people of God and lie He's going to cause them to come and bow down and worship at their feet. Now, if you'll recall in the parable of the wedding feast, Jesus says, you ought to go to the lowest seat so that they will call you up to a higher place and thou shalt have worship before all them that are there. That's what he's talking about. These prideful men who say that they are Jews but will not listen to the word They're going to come down. But you who have humbled yourselves under my hand and listened to my oracles, I will exalt you in due time. This is the twofold, the humbling down of the proud and the raising up of the humble. That's what he's saying. And then he says, because of their great fidelity to him, he would keep them from the hour of temptation. Verse 10. Christ gives to each, according to his purpose, what he knows to be best for that church or for that minister or for that Christian. Let us rest in the wisdom of Christ. Some are called to suffer. Some are exempted from suffering. That is Christ's determination. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. Now the pillars of a temple, what happens if you remove them? The temple collapses, doesn't it? So it's a permanent fixture, that's the point. I will give you a permanent fixture in the house of God. So then let us hold fast to the doctrines of Christ, not denying his name or his authority, his oracles, which he has exalted above all his name. Let us hear his apostles and prophets and let us be ready to suffer for the things that we hear in his word let us be ready to die that's what a martyr does he gives his last will and says I will bear witness to Jesus though you slay me I am his then verses 14 through 22 the message sent to the Laodicean angel Jesus refers to himself as the faithful and true witness the beginning of the creation of God now the word amen here And faithful witness mean the same thing everything he witnesses to and says through his apostles and prophets we can say Amen I affirm I believe that's true I agree Jesus is the Amen and furthermore in the whole work of creation there's one point of origin by him were all things made and without him was not anything made that was made he's the beginning of the creation of God Now, because this is the case, he is both creator and faithful witness. Can we be indifferent toward the Lord Jesus Christ? He says, no. You may not be somewhere in the middle with God and Baal, hot and cold. Mix them together, you get lukewarm. Someone whose cold is alienated from Christ. They can be called to repentance and they can recognize, yeah, well, I'm, I'm off the pathway. I need repentance. Somebody warming over with zeal, well, they can't be taken away from Christ. They love him. They want to follow him. But if you're somewhere in the middle, can you be encouraged to get warmer? Can you be called to be repentant for your cold state? No, you're right in the middle. Nothing can touch you, so you think. And Jesus says, I can't stomach you. I can't stand you. I start to eat or to drink you and I spew you out of my mouth. Now in the ancient world, they did not have necessarily the same kind of food sanitization. If you got a steak that was lukewarm in the ancient world, it could kill you and what would you do with it? Spit it out. I need it cooked all the way through because the parasites will destroy my body and the bugs have been landing on the meat all day long, you better cook that all the way through. (laughs) Lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Now notice, what is the mark of their lukewarmness? Verse 17, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Okay, there's the profession, that's what they said. Is that the reality? No. He says, you're actually poor. You're actually miserable and wretched, blind and naked. These are ministers in the church exalting themselves, thinking highly of themselves. But it is not true. They viewed themselves as full rather than empty high rather than low righteous rather than sinful rich rather than needy but the opposite of his profession was the case what he thought of himself was not correct and therefore jesus counsels him buy buy of me how much does that cost nothing without money without price buy these from me and you will have true riches true clothing true healing for your blindness and your pride i note then that our natural condition is one of spiritual pride and blindness so we think of ourselves i'm good enough i'm smart enough people like me i'm okay you're okay no that's not true we are wretched miserable blind we must flee to the lord jesus christ Would we have true riches? He says, I've got gold tried by the fire. I've got garments to cover your shame and your nakedness and your blindness. I'll heal that too with a salve that heals with the balm of Gilead. I note then that we must flee to the Lord Jesus Christ to receive that riches, that covering, that restoration of eyesight, And note there, verse 19. Well, Jesus, you're being awfully hard on the ministers of this church, are you not? You must not love them, being so harsh with them, making these threats to them. Certainly you need to approach them in a more modern parenting style. As many as I love, he says, what does he do? I coddle them, I give them everything they want, I tell them sweet lovey-dovey words, I give them chocolate and let them watch TV all day. Is that what he says? He rebukes and he chastens words and rods. That's what he does. When you love your children, you discipline them, you use the rod with them, you use reproof with them. If you hate them, you're not gonna use those things but Jesus has true love for his ministers and for his people he is a true and loving superior he does not indulge sin he dissuades from sin by rebukes and by chastisements and this applies to all other superiors if you have any position of superiority remember Eli with his sons you remember what it said He never wrinkled his face at them. He never made mean faces at his kids. He didn't spank his boys. He didn't kick them out of the office. He didn't have them put to death as whoremongers. He didn't do any of that. And so God cut his whole house off. Jesus is no such. And he requires that those who are husbands or fathers, mothers, pastors, elders, employers, magistrates, Anyone older, anyone possessing either formal or informal authority, they have a duty to repel wickedness and encourage what is good. And so Jesus, as the Lord and head of his church, rebukes his ministers, chastens them when they go astray. Now we've all heard about Jesus standing at the door and knocking. Have we ever heard the context? about rebuking and chastening about coming to these lukewarm self-righteous spewing them out of his mouth no we just like the little part oh look he's standing at the door and knocking he just can't do anything unless you let him into your heart is that what this is talking about it's talking about the ministry at a church who are self-righteous and lukewarm that he's going to chasten with his words and with a rod that's who stands at the door and knocks with power to save and to destroy, with riches in the gospel to sell, the robe of seamless righteousness, the salve to give sight to the blind whose minds are convinced they're righteous and they are not. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. I will open the table to you. You open the door to me. You repent and turn from your wicked ways. You receive my rebukes and my chastisements. I will feed you, he says. But what will he do if we don't? If we do not repent, if we go on in our self-righteousness, no. He will not stand there, gentle Jesus, meek and mild, knocking at the door, no. He will chasten, he will rebuke, or he will judge. And thus far, Revelation chapter 3.